Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. It's just uh, yadayah.com or yadayawa.com. The uh, um, 19 books uh, up uh, presently. There'll soon be uh, 20 um, within the next few days. We have just completed the volume 5 of uh, of Yadayawa. So Yadayawa, just that series, has now in the beginning, which is the creation story, the story of man which is the uh, uh, analysis of what Yahweh has to say about Adam, Chawa, and the, uh, the garden experience. It's important because that's where we're headed. So hopefully you like that story because that's what eternity is going to be like. Uh, then there's In the Covenant, which is our second book really on the, uh, the covenant. This one is the most recently written. It, it just goes right to the heart of what the terms and conditions and the benefits of the covenant are, and it does a little bit more of an of a, uh, of a overview of Abraham and some of uh, of his uh, exploits, and it does that mainly because it's important that uh, we recognize that God's quite accepting of uh, of who we are, so long as we're willing to walk away from religion and politics, and most importantly, listen to Him. Uh, then uh, God will work with uh, uh, work around our inadequacies, if you will. Uh, Invitations is a very long volume. It covers uh, the first three Moed Mikre, uh, Pesach, Matzah, and Bakudim. Got a beautiful picture there of a dinner that I ate Passover a year ago, not this past Passover, but a year prior to that, that uh, uh, my wife fixed for us on the uh, the boat when we were. Uh, still a bit uh, of a bag- vagabond without a uh, without a home. It was a wonderful uh, time, and and so that picture reminds me of that. Uh, we now have 
appointments up, which is uh, going to actually be broken into two different volumes. It, it was trending towards 800 pages, and that's a lot. And, and I got to tell you, what, uh, what I have translated and written in the most recent chapters on Kapuram, and I'll get to that in a moment, is very, very dense uh, material. It's, it's extraordinary. It's uh, by far the most fun I've ever had translating and writing commentary, I mean, by a long shot. But I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that it might be a little too heavy uh, in the sense of uh, it makes lots of connections. It's uh, and we'll talk about here in a moment. But uh, that's well, being broken into, yeah, into two books. So what we're going to have uh, as after invitations, there'll be a, a a book called Harvest, and it's going to just cover uh, Shabua and Terua, and so Katsir. Um, harvest is just Teruah and Shabuah. Uh, it, it's hard uh, to imagine, but you know those were just a couple of chapters in the old uh, invitations of volume, and, and now those two are in our books. You know it's amazing too because they're the the Moed Mikre that nobody celebrates. Uh, you know, no, I mean. Jews are clueless. Nobody, uh, nobody yeah. celebrates them. And I just found so much material, and it was so interesting. Um, you know, in fact, the chapter that we're going to return to, it happens to be one of the uh, the many Teruah uh, chapters uh, that will be uh, in that uh, Katsir Harvest volume. Um, Jackie is so fast. She actually took it. We uh, I had an, an email exchange with her last night and uh, with a number of our, our covenant family. I said, yeah, I'm, I, I need some advice. This is what I'm leaning towards. I'm leaning towards uh, breaking the appointments, the, the last four um, Moed Mikre, into two volumes because it's you know, like 800 pages. And uh, and here is my thoughts with just to do Terua and uh, Shabua um, as independent volumes. And and then I was walking through all the other things we were going to uh, to do, particularly since Kapuram has become so intense. So anyway, she, she wrote, she said, I think uh, I really like the idea. And, and so I rechaptered all those uh, volumes and broke them into reasonable length chapters. And, and she's actually turned it into a book. And I think it's going to uh, submit it to Amazon to, for printing uh, uh, as early as tomorrow. So uh, sometime the middle wow. of next week, we should be able to buy volume, um, what will now be volume five of uh, yada yada, volume six, which will be the appointments. I'm um, right now writing the, well, I think it's the fifth ch- chapter on Kaporum. So imagine that. Kaporum now is one chapter in the old book. Now it's, it is five chapters long. What What I found is that that the book of Zachariah, from beginning mm-hmm. to end, is a announcement of and a celebration of uh, Kippurim. That the whole thing is the day of reconciliations, and almost all of Malachi is as well. So, um, boy, I, I tell you what, it was there were so many surprises. Um, one of the surprises was that you. Uh, Many of our, our listeners here may know that there's a really uh, an interesting exchange in um, chapter three 
of uh, of um, Zachariah, and it's the one that uh, caused uh, I've forgotten the fellow's name now, but he uh, was once uh, very active in, in communication with us. He had a uh, as a doctorate and I think even a PhD, um, but. Um, this was what finally sent him off was that he was insistent that that I was wrong. I don't know, big deal that I'd be wrong, but he was insistent I was wrong when I said that Yosha is not mentioned by name in a single prophecy. Um, and he said, oh, no, you're, you're wrong. Look at Zechariah chapter three. It's all about Yosha. Well, yes, <laughs> but not the Yosha you're thinking about. Um, it is Yosef, uh, uh, who was the uh, son of Yahu Sadak. Uh, Yahu Sadak, uh, and, uh, um, which is, means Yahu is right. Uh, that Yosha uh, came out of Babylon, and he was the high priest at the time that the, uh, the temple was rebuilt. And so he is the perfect foil for this conversation between Yahweh, Amalak, Zachariah, uh, and, uh, and Satan. So you've got the, the um, Yashayah, the, uh, um, the um, excuse me, you've got uh, Yahusha, the, uh, the high priest. You have Satan accusing him. You have Zachariah throwing in his two cents. You have a Malak that is coordinating the meeting and commentary also from Yahweh. It's a really interesting conversation. And uh, it is definitely not prophetic of Yosha, the, the Pesach lamb. There's nothing about Pesach in it. It's all about preparing the, the high priest who, from God's position, uh, is so filthy he's covered in excrement. And... Um, and it's excrement of his own doing. Uh, it's not like he took on the excrement of the world, but he is, from God's point of view, he's just filthy, and he's covered with it. Um, and and he also says that all of your associates are as well. So Satan is saying, yeah, these guys, no, come on, come on God. They are not qualified to perform. They're way too disgusting. So you're, you're reading through this, and you're saying, hmm, why is this here? What does it have to do with Kaporum? Turns out everything. You know, Kaporum is the, the, the Moed Mikre, where uh, blood, just a little bit of blood off the tip of a finger is spattered on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant is called a, a Kaporath. It's the same word as Kaporum the singular mm-hmm. of, uh, of that word. And that is the, the Hebrew word for mercy seat and Kippurim are the same thing. And so what Yahweh set up was Aaron, whose name really means the alternate, for Aaron to, uh, to uh, slay a bull, which of course would be eaten by the community, for his mm-hmm. own iniquity. Because, you know, he did a lot of bad things, but the bull is just... So interesting, because what was Aaron's single biggest mistake? Making the bull out of gold. Yeah, yeah, the golden calf. So, so the solution for that is, I want to rub it in your face here, pal. Yeah. This, this bull here is just to resolve your issues, so you, you can come in here that. and do this on behalf of the people. And on the behalf of the people, 
uh, there were uh, two goats, that not, not lambs. Lambs are cute. Lambs are loving. Lambs are intelligent. Uh, uh, they're communal. They listen to their, uh, their shepherd. They know their names. I mean, lambs are an entire sheep, are an entirely different breed than goats. Goats are ornery and obstinate and, uh, and won't listen and can be mean. And yeah, so anyway, it's two goats. And, and one of the goats is a scapegoat. And, and so, yeah, I was talking about Yom Kippurim and what he wants done. And the, uh, uh, the fact that the goat, which is the scapegoat, is for the reconciliation of the children of Israel while the bull is to take care of, of Aaron so he can do his, his duty. So that is the presentation. And then there's this whole discussion of, of the linen and the garments that Aaron is to, uh, is to wear and the head wrap and everything else. So what does that have to do with, uh, with Zachariah 3? Everything. Because Zachariah 3 is about one subject, Kaporim. As it turns out, the, the appointment that, that took me maybe half of the time that I was, have been doing this, maybe 10 years to understand, I was always confused. Why would you have a day of reconciliation after Pesach and Matzah? We, you know, God's elongated our days. He has uh, perfected us. He's adopted us, been enriched and empowered on uh, Shabuah. We're uh, messengers on his behalf. Uh, uh, and on the family's behalf, on Terua, why do you have reconciliations after all of that? You're adopted to the family. Mm-hmm. Would you think you'd be reconciled? Well, yeah. the fact of the matter is reconciliation has nothing to do with us who are currently in the covenant and those of us who have taken advantage of the first five Moed Mikre. Mm-hmm. Reconciliation is the single most important day in human history. Uh, in universal history, it's the day of days. Mm-hmm. It's the day that Yahweh uh, enjoys the restoration of his relationship with Yisrael and Yehuda. Nothing more important. It's the single most important day in human history and, and really the history of, the, of, of universal creation. So for that day to work, for uh, Yahweh, who will not violate his own Torah... There's got to be somebody that is prepared and qualified to go sprinkle the, uh, the, the drops of blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, recognizing that that mercy seat and Kapurim are exactly the same thing. The seat and the day are both based upon Kapar. So what we're reading in Zechariah 3 is that Satan is accusing Yosha of being a scumbag. And God said, okay, okay, he's a scumbag. I get it. Yeah, he's filthy. Huh. But I got a plan for that. Clean him up. Put on new linen garments. And Zechariah said, hey, 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 you forgot the head wrap. Put on a head wrap too. And I just wondered why was Zachariah interjecting himself into the discussion? You know why? No. A, no, okay. Well, the reason he was interjecting himself in the conversation, he had read the Torah. The Torah talks about all of the garb and the, the washing, the cleanliness, and everything that was necessary to prepare 
the, the high priest to be able to go in and perform on behalf of the children of Israel. And the last thing is that he puts on a, a head wrap. And so Yahshiah, or Zechariah, is watching this whole thing, and there's no head wrap on it. He says, hey, you're missing the head wrap. Get, get him a head wrap. <laughs> you know, that takes some major confidence to uh, interject in a discussion between <laughs> Yahweh, Satan, Hamalach, <laughs> and the I high priest. So you've got to appreciate the fact that God chose Zechariah because he knew his Torah. And Zachariah got to demonstrate to us that he knew his Torah. And so that's what took me back to the, the Torah's presentation of what is to occur on Yom Kippur relative to the mercy seat, which happens to be, again, the same word as Kippur. And when you view Zachariah 3 from that point of view, and then you recognize that this is the funniest thing in the world. You know how Christians take every prophecy about Dode and they say it really belongs to Yosha? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard sermons on this about that. So, so this one, where the individual's name is Yosha, it's actually about Dode. So, yeah, yeah, but... Uh, it does does them one better. So it is actually names Yosha, but it's really about Dod. And what we we find later in Zachariah is that Dod is the Renaissance man. Dod is going to be dressed up as the high priest. He's not going to become the high priest, but he's going to be dressed as the high priest. He is going to perform the responsibility that is necessary on Kippurim, relative to the Kippurim mercy seat, to reconcile the relationship between Yahweh, Yisrael, and Yehuda. And it's all explained as you move through the text of Zechariah. And so to bring all those things in, uh, it was just so exciting. And, and, and I thought, wow, how can it get better than this? And then I said, all right, all right. You know, the last time I tried to translate Zachariah 4, I ended up just, you know, I, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. I tried. Zachariah 4 is the presentation of the two witnesses. You might say, what do the two witnesses have to do with Kippurim? Well, turns out everything. You know, that prophecy that you've read so many times in Yashiah, uh, make straight... Mm-hmm. The, uh, the approach of Yahweh. Uh, no, that's not how Christians say it, of course, but make straight the way of Yahweh. And, well, it happens to also be in Zechariah. And it happens to be throughout the prophets. Well, Yahweh is returning on Kippurim. So guess who is making that announcement? Two witnesses. The two witnesses. Oh, I'm sorry, the two witnesses. Yeah, because they're still yeah, there. Yeah, the two right. witnesses are making yeah. the announcement. And so as I'm now grappling with, all right, what is the symbolism here in, in Zechariah 4? And uh, it will be, uh, if it's not already uh, up on the website in the, uh, the appointments uh, volume, it will, and it will remain in the appointments volume, but just a different place at it going forward. And thank you, uh, David, for being so spectacular at, 
at making a, a wonderful interactive website that works both online uh, in a normal browser on your computer and, and on a tablet and on your phone and it's oh, got man. all the books on the bookshelf and you can click on any of them and it opens up and the chapters are on the right. It's really marvelous. But So thank you for doing that and thank you for Jackie for, you know, I, I know there's no such thing as a, as a saint, but if there, if we could appoint a uh, a, a saint, for yada yada, we would appoint uh, we would appoint Jack. Uh, but uh, it, what what I found is that oh wow, this wasn't complicated at all. This is magnificent. It is so abundantly clear who the olives are, and so I ended up going back because of the branch of the olive, uh, mm-hmm. we know one of the two, they're, they're named, you know, it's yeah. Elia. Uh, yeah, the other one, too. the other one I didn't think was named. Yeah, sure enough, he is. The other one is named. And, uh, and it's the, oh, the wow. whole really? reference really? to the olive, uh, is directly related to the, uh, the sucker, which is, which is that sucker sounds like a pejorative. And if it, if it is no, fine, not, but, no. but, but in an olive, sucker is not a pejorative. Um, sucker is what happens on an olive tree. If an old olive tree, that the trunk is neglected and it gets too old and it just dies or it's cut down or something tragic has happened to the, the main trunk of an old olive tree, the roots are still uh, provide nourishment. And so out of the rootstock, if you remember the prophecy of, of the, uh, well, it's my favorite prophecy, and this prophecy is included in this chapter now because, lo and behold, the whole rootstock of Yese, one who stands out and notice, is interwoven through the two witnesses of Zachariah 4. And it explains ex- exactly how we go from that rootstock back to Dot and the relationship with uh, Dot. It's magnificent, and there's there's really only two things in the in the whole uh, presentation. There's no bowl and there's no river. Uh, it's just two things: a menorah representing uh, Yahweh, and uh, two olives um, on uh, either side of the menorah. Uh, one from the uh, the beginning at the uh, the sunrise, one coming in towards the end from the sunset. It is just so magnificent. And then you go into the five and six, and by the time you get to the end of six, Yahweh is again through his prophet uh, drawing our attention to Yada Yahweh. Um, so it's a lot going on. It might be too wow. confusing for uh, for most because it's yeah, it's one line, and then you've got to go to you know better part of a chapter and another book to say this is how this piece fits in here. But by the time you're done. Most everything we've learned are pieces that fit into uh, this puzzle that paint this spectacular picture that everything has been pointing to this one day, the day of reconciliation, Joan Kaporum. So anyway, that's, uh, that's where we, uh, we are. Um, and uh, I've got uh, two more chapters to write, uh, one more on, uh, on the... Uh, uh, Yom Kippurim, which is what Malachi has to say about it, and then there's a chapter on Sukkah. 
and I don't know if that'll grow to more than one chapter, but that's that's the plan now. Uh, following that, we have written in stone. Um, what I'm going to do, uh, this is just gives everybody an idea as to where we're going on this, because, you know, now we have 19 books up and, and soon to be 20 in the new format, completely retranslated, uh-huh. completely rewritten. Um, what I'm thinking about doing, because written in stone is is volume five currently of an introduction to God. And so what I'm thinking about doing is to take an introduction to God and and have it only cover three things. The word, which explains the nature of the Hebrew language. And I think it does a pretty good job for somebody who says, you know, I want to understand the, the stems, the conjugations, the, the moods, um, the relational nature of the language, the fact that it's like light and expressive throughout time and and how uh, you have uh, volitional uh, moods and are woven into it, uh, the letters themselves and what the letters convey. So I think the word volume of an introduction to God belongs there. And, I, and it's the only place where we, we have a whole chapter devoted to explaining Yahweh's name. And, of course, then there's written in stone, which is the, the analysis of the ten uh, statements. But after that, particularly... Well, you know, the next thing will happen to be the covenant. But now we have two entire volumes on the covenant. Volume two of mm-hmm. observations, and it's volume three of Yada Yahweh. We probably don't need a third volume on the covenant. Same material. Uh, each time, you know, I gave it a little different uh, um, perspective, but it's the same material. We don't need a third. So that doesn't make any sense. I certainly do not need the Micre volume of uh, Intro to God because, well, now we have three volumes. I think it's like 1,200, 1,300 pages just devoted to the Micre. That's probably enough. Um, and <coughs> so what you're left yeah. with is is uh, the Torah, which is enormous, you know, particularly the 119th Psalm. But there are three very, very long chapters uh, in that uh uh, Torah volume. So I'm thinking about taking the Torah volume and uh, placing it um, right after uh, what will be now volume six appointments. And so that'll be a volume called Torah. We'll take it out of, uh, of the uh, introduction to God, retranslate it, do all the new um, commentary, and it'll be placed there. And then we'll only have the first uh, two or three chapters of an intro to God that will stay as part of, uh, of that volume. And as you know, we quite some time ago, we, uh, we completed the mm-hmm. five volumes of uh, observations, perspective, covenant, growing, teaching, and understanding. Uh, there's the voice call, uh, calls out um, volume and my God, why of, of, um, of uh, coming home. And then now questioning Paul went from one volume to four volumes. Um, there's Liar's Lie, Torahless, Devil's Advocate, and, and, and Incredible. Uh, Incredible now has um, grown substantially because we put another 100 pages at the end of it with a, uh, a review that I wrote recently, uh, once again, on uh, the Christian New Testament because for uh, Shabua, we, and we've covered a lot of this already, we'll, get, we'll do more later, um, covered the book of Acts to demonstrate that there is no part of it that's accurate. Uh, because as you know, Luke was telling the story from uh, Paul's alleged perspective, uh, not Paul, but uh, uh, Peter's alleged uh, perspective about the fulfillment of, of Shabuah, 
and they didn't get anything right. I mean, nothing. Mm-hmm. Then at the end, uh, for those that uh, miss the old website uh, that had the uh, calendar uh, at the end of McRae, and you could uh, go through and you could <laughs> see the years uh, and then make your own decision as to when PSOC would be celebrated at and then uh, also uh, to Roa. Um, Jackie and David were able to redo all of that and with the, all the same functionality so you can actually see the, the level of light on the moon, you know exactly what time the, uh, the moon is setting, the sun is setting. And so you have all wow. of those tools and a rewritten God's calendar, which is currently at the end of the bookshelf. We're going to add the, uh, a rewritten chapter of Yobel to it. And then may, may add some other material, but right now it's, it's sitting as a independent volume um, at the end of the bookshelf. So that so is how the big is intro. Intro to God right now is, is just one volume currently, volume five. It won't be volume five down the road, but it's called uh, Written in Stone. Uh-huh. That's the shortest volume okay. in the collection. And so what I'm going to do, as I said, with Intro to God, is I'm going to rewrite the word and the name I've already rewritten were uh, written in stone. And so whether that is one volume, two volumes or three volumes, we'll see, mm-hmm. but that will be all that okay. will be of, uh, of intro to God. Um, because I'm going to take okay. the, uh, the, I'm going to eliminate the covenant cause I'm not going to do an, a third presentation of the covenant. That would be ridiculous. And, I'm not mm-hmm. going to uh, to convey the uh, the mikra because they're already covered in, in such enormous detail. So that leaves the Torah volume, uh, which I'm going to uh, integrate into yada yada. All right, so that's that is where we are. It's uh, yada yada.com, yada yawa.com, and you can go directly to the uh, the books as well as to the uh, uh, e-books and. Um, to the printed books at uh, Amazon, and there's direct links to the podcast to uh, the community uh, as well. So there's a uh, there's a whole lot going on there. All right. Wow. With uh, that said, um, let's return to where we were, which was uh, Yashaya 56:12, where we're talking about Yashaya's presentation of the fulfillment of Teruah. So he he goes into great detail about what the situation is at that time, particularly amongst the religious community of Yisrael. And understand that right now, the uh, uh, Hasidic uh, Jews, uh, uh, they represent um, about the ultra-Orthodox. They represent about 20% of the Jewish population, but they're, they are breeding like rabbits. No, they don't work. Uh, and so... Uh, with seven, eight children per family, they will be almost uh, a third of the population of, uh, of Jews in, in Israel by um, the time that uh, Teruah will be uh, fulfilled, certainly by the time that Yom Kippurim is fulfilled. And you have um, a, a growing, uh, more secular, but highly politicized uh, group now in Israel. All of these uh, most recent elections where it was four elections to, uh, to put to cobble together a government that actually includes right-wing conservatives and uh, the Muslims. 
uh, it's the it's the strangest thing I've ever seen. And of course, every important vote is uh, either deadlocked or they lose because they can't get their uh, the Islamic party to go along with the conservatives. And they bribed the Islamic party. I think it's six billion dollars, so a god awful amount of money for them to be part of this uh, this alliance. And they don't uh, vote with them. So it is a it's a real mess. Uh, but there is about a third of Israel now is and, and will continue to be exceedingly political. And those who are political are ostracized from God. Those who are religious are ostracized from God. So God uh, tells us just flat out that two thirds of uh, of his people are are not going to make it to Yom Kippur. They, they won't even be candidates uh, for uh, for the covenant at that point. We don't know how many of the one-third that survived to the fulfillment of Kippurim and Yahweh's return, we don't know what percentage of those will be reconciled. All we know is that two-thirds of Jews have been excluded, all of the religious and all of the overtly political. Um, so God's, uh, God's definitely keeping up with the current trends in, uh, in Israel. He just happened to write it uh, 2,700 years ago. Uh, we're going to pick up the story at uh, 5612. We have uh, covered the dastardly dogs, so we know what God thinks of the rabbis. Come, let us consent to assemble together. Now, this is, again, um, God uh, placing us inside of the uh, mindset of the rabbinical community. Come, let us assemble together. And agree to change everything around. Let us reach for and receive the wine, drinking permitted and alcoholic beverages to remain inebriated. Tomorrow will be like this day, with us more powerful and important, even more exalted and wealthier, exerting our power and influence. For those that don't I do what I do, and I I would encourage anyone else to do this. I'm, I'm probably a little strange in this regard. But I go to bed every night uh, reading the Jerusalem Post on my phone. And I wake up, uh, you know, you get to be older, you, you don't sleep through the night. Uh, I wake up and I read the Jerusalem Post on my phone. Um, and so I, I keep up with what's going on in, in Israel. And right now, there rabbis are just having a conniption fit. They want total control of everyone's life in Israel. And their big deal is, and they just lost the Supreme Court uh, uh, hearing, they want to determine who's a Jew and who's not a Jew. And you are or are not a Jew, not based on your ethnicity, based on your religiosity. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, they've completely changed what Yahweh talks about in terms of the descendants of Jacob, that's a, an, an ethnicity. They want it to be entirely religious. So you're not a Jew from their point of view if you're not religious. Uh, and, and it's not just religious, because if you are a reformed Jew or you are a standard Orthodox Jew, you don't count. Don't count. No, oh, yeah. no. They they would demean you and besmirch you and and say yeah, dastardly things, and they do. And they 
uh, I mean, they're just foul, and they accomplish nothing, and they're not even employable. Uh, and yet they're stunningly rich. They have the government pay for everything, uh, and then they charge people an arm and a leg for uh, just stupid stuff. But you, you can't get married without paying them. You can't get divorced without their approval and paying them. You can't immigrate to Israel without their uh, approval. It is control everyone's life. Uh, even on kosher. The, Yahweh said almost nothing about what is uh, set apart in terms of food. And in fact, and the body, and by the time Moshe is, uh, is analyzing what God says, says, you know, eat what you want, just be thoughtful about it. God has told you mm-hmm. the things that aren't really healthy for you. Eat what you want, just be thoughtful about it. Well, of course, the rabbi said, well, proof that you need our Talmud is that God didn't explain how to be kosher. Yeah, he didn't explain how to be kosher because he doesn't want you to be kosher. But they have, you know, thousands of rules. And one of the big money makers for the rabbis is that they're uh, the organization that determines whether a food product sold in a market is kosher or not. And it being kosher has all to do with them paying the rabbis. Or if a restaurant is kosher, has all to do with them paying the rabbis. And the rabbis will even go as far to say is even if 100% of your food is blessed by us and therefore you pay us and therefore it's kosher, and even if you, uh, we, you have us in here and we review your restaurant and everything you do in your kitchen is <coughs> kosher, uh, if you're open on the Shabbat, Oh, you're not kosher anymore. Not even kosher in the other six days of the week. It's amazing. Well, and one of the things they say is that, can you imagine that one of the things that they say that they need more strict rules is that a person went into a kosher restaurant and, and, and they ate a dessert that had milk in it. Can you imagine how horrible it is that a restaurant that serves meat would also have a milk dessert? Oh, my God. And of course, they, they get all of that. For Yahweh says, you know, don't boil the lamb in its mother's milk. God didn't say, you can't have a piece of cheese or a glass of milk while you're having your lamb kebab. But these rabbis are just an insane and they've, so they've got yeah. this whole thing it, it, if you're at home and you're making a meat dish and you spill a little bit of milk on the kitchen you can't even clean it up you've got to call the rabbi uh, these guys God, really God is sure. disgusted by the way they look he's disgusted by what the way they act he's disgusted the way they treat their people and if you're stupid enough to be one of those 20% who is befuddled by them God, good riddance. So they say, now tomorrow will be like today with us more powerful and important, even exalted and wealthier, exerting our power and influence. Yeah, I'm sorry, pal. Ain't going to be that way. Well, that's the toast of the rabbis. And with their bearded noses up in the air, they're going to fall flat on their tukases. Unfortunately, tukas is a Yiddish words, so they'll understand what falling flat on their tukases really means. They're going to soil their ugly religious outfits, and in the process, yeah, I was just going to let his people know that he despises those who claim that they speak for him.
one of the greatest ironies in Israel. Those who pretend they speak for God, and you should see them on, you know, we have, uh, when we're eating dinner, we'll, we'll play a, um, uh, there's a, a news station that is just Israeli news and uh, presented in English. And they're constantly showing these morons in their little black hats and their black outfits and little curly cues. And all they're doing is bobbing up and down in rhythm. Ba, 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 ba. And, and it's like, I got no brains, and maybe if I shake my head, I'll find my brain. It's just revolting. Thoughtless. And they will say, oh, all we're doing is we're studying Torah. Bull. They wouldn't even know what the Torah looks like. They have renamed the godforsaken Babylonian Talmud the Torah. When they say they're studying Torah, no, they're reading their goddamn Talmud. And not just any Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud. And it's interesting, by the way, that that, uh, mm-hmm. that means that the Jewish scriptures were written after the Christian scriptures. There's, Christianity is not an outgrowth of Judaism. Judaism was written afterwards. In fact, uh, Hasidic uh, Judaism, the super-Orthodox, that was actually created in the uh, 17th, uh, very, very, very late 17th century, early 18th century, uh, in, in Europe, by the way, in Poland. So uh, there's just no part of this that makes any sense. Anyway, the undercurrent of both the Talmud and the Zohar is a change, moving from God to man from total freedom to complete control, from enlightenment to ignorance. But a new day is dawning. Yahweh's returning with Dod, and neither Yahweh nor Dod find stupid appealing, especially when these idiots are braggarts. Was there any one of the words there that you uh, analyzed, uh, Kirk, in 1512? Well, one, it was just almost comical uh, in, in context. The uh, um, Gadol, which is the uh, is where, where you read, uh, with us more powerful and important, Gadol, translating Gadol. If you look at the letters, you've got a, uh, you've got a Gimel, a Delet, or a Delete, a um, Wa, and a Lamb. So great in your eyes would mean that you are walking away from the Pesach door and empowerment mm-hmm. and enlightenment and exponential mm-hmm. growth, and, mm-hmm. you're being, and you're walking away from being led by Yah, and or mm-hmm. slash Dode, because he's a shepherd, mm-hmm. and here's, a, here's Yah's number one shepherd. Right. If, right. You, if you look at the, <laughs> on top of that, yep. you, you have the root, the root, which is the Gimel Delet, and it's a, which means the storehouse of material wealth, which is can be positive or negative, but in context, it would be rather negative, because that's their gain. Mm-hmm. And then if you add another delet to it, you have another word that means to assemble together, to attack, to raid, and to invade. So why would you want to be powerful and important? <laughs> Good old. I uh, beats the heck out of me. And oh, and yeah. you like too is Moad, Maod, Maod, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. That one comes out to be uh, from the root. It becomes smoke, mist, heap of dust, clouds of ashes, or smoke. So basically, later I know you wrote um, they blow smoke, mm-hmm. which is, uh, and 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 an overabundance of 
smoke or dust or mist. Mm-hmm. So the words Lovely. don't betray. They support everything you say. Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is, is I was uh, um, being fact-checked by, uh, by Mike, and um, he has this, uh, uh, this propensity now that uh, if uh, as he's looking up a word, something strikes him and says, you know, I bet that would be interesting to pursue. Uh, I had written a little bit about what each of the uh, religious Jewish uh, texts are called. And uh, you're gonna, we'll cover this in an upcoming chapter. <laughs> Every single one of them, they, they're being so blatant. It says, yeah, 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 uh, we're lying. Yep, that's us. <laughs> yeah, we're unfaithful. <laughs> we're going to own it. <laughs> they named each of her books. Up. Yep, I'm lying. <laughs> really? Yep, I'm a whore. Call me a whore. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll own it. <laughs> yeah, every one of them. It, it's just, it's amazing. Intoxicated by their own sense of self-worth, their own words, their own religion, and political schemes, Israel's leadership, especially the exalted ones, the rabbis. Oh, they just <clears throat> love the, the chief rabbi. Have controlled Jews so long. They can't imagine this ever changing. And yet during the Mikra of Teruah, as rabbis think they're ushering in the Babylonian New Year of Rosh Hashanah, their worst critics are going to vanish. What then? God's diagnostic evaluation of the worst of his people Therefore, uh, began in this section, his watchmen, those assigned to be Israel's lookouts and keep watch, protecting Yehudim, are blind. They're all ignorant and opposed to Yada, without understanding, without revelation or respect, and thus they're clueless. They're all dumb, dumb dogs, dastardly dogs, incapable of intelligent speech without the capacity to understand or the ability to prevail, unqualified and inescapable, utterly uh, incompetent, barking and howling in incomprehensible fashion, Babylonian babbling prophets, panting while dreaming, lying around smitten with their inactivity and lack of awareness. That's not a very flattering commentary. These dogs, and I shared this uh, last week, um, actually, Caleb is a wonderful word, but uh, the fact is that dogs were a lot different when this was written 2,700 years ago in Yisrael than they they are now. They were not um, uh, members of the family, which is what they have become. Uh, and they have lived up to their name, Coleb, but that was not the, the case. They were mostly just uh, scavengers. These dogs have uh, the soul of a goat, God says, the soul of a goat. They are stubborn, aggressive, disagreeable creatures, bitterly antagonistic. They never acknowledge that they have taken too much, never admitting that they are gluttonous, sexual deviates, unrestrained and insatiable, Wallowing in abundance. Oh, it is the percentage of rabbis that uh, are, are engaged in sexual um, malfeasance, very similar to Catholic priests. Really? 
Yeah, those attending the flock are without yada. They're ignorant, they're irrational, they're devoid of understanding, clueless and disrespectful, neither perceiving nor comprehending, and thus lacking the capacity to teach. All of them have turned their own way. Every man for his own ill-gotten gain and dishonest advantage, without exception or restraint. Come, let us consent to assemble together, and let's agree to change everything around. Let us reach for and receive the wine, drinking fermented alcoholic beverages to remain inebriated and intoxicated. It won't hurt so bad. Tomorrow will be like this day with us more powerful and important, even more exalted and wealthier, enriched through the binding nature of religion, exerting our power and influence. Yashaya 5612. The flock has been deceived by these dastardly dogs. Now, when you read that, when you read that, do you think that uh, is true? What we used to do a lot with uh, when we were talking about Christianity and preachers in particular, that they just really don't believe any of this is true to begin with, do they? Could you? To them, there's no God. They just no, make this stuff them, up. Well, you know, the most amazing thing is in Judaism there is no oh, salvation. Now you you read. Yeah. You could go and you, you read uh, um, almost any Jewish site. There is no salvation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell they're doing it for. I mean, uh, they well, claim yeah, that they're doing it to, to live righteous lives and that that's going to be, you know. For what purpose? But for what purpose? And they're not living righteous lives. Mm-hmm. They're disgusting. They treat their women horribly. They, uh, they treat their children horribly. They dress horribly. They don't. Uh, they don't contribute anything to society. They're parasites and leeches. For what? So, you know, the more I I uh, you know, think about it, the more, yeah, it's, uh, it's got to be obvious they, they, they know. I mean, I mean, they don't ever get their nose out of their Talmud. And so, you know, they spend all day rationalizing with the rabbi. In fact, if they're going to make an argument, they, they cite some derelict rabbi from uh, 600 uh, CE or even later and talk about, well, rabbi this said that, and rabbi this said that, and rabbi this said that. So there, there we go. They ever quote Yahweh. So there's so little difference between imams and preachers and rabbis. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. They just, they just, wow. Sorry. Yeah. Now, we, we turn to uh, Yashaya 56, 50, actually 55, 56, 57, and 58 in the uh, Teruah chapter to um, witness the fulfillment of Teruah because Yahweh explains it. It's, it's so funny that, the, that uh, uh, Christians that don't like the thought of a rapture, and they shouldn't because there is no rapture, uh, say, you know, there's no reference to this in the Old Testament. Well, there's no Old Testament either. Uh, and, uh, and the rabbinical types, when they're debating Christians, will say, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, your you know, goddamn rapture. Uh, there's no such thing. Um, well, the fact of the matter is, yes, yeah, talks about the Teruah harvest. And he has a lot to say about it. So we have reached our intended destination, the point in Yeshua's prophecy where the man named salvation and deliverance are from Yahweh, 
presents the rabbinical response to teruah. In this regard, it's instructive to know that in this next statement, the Mesoretic renders abad, have vanished, as a completed action, while the Dead Sea Scrolls depict something that is not yet come to fruition and thus will vanish, predicting a yet unfulfilled disappearance. I would say that's significant. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, begins uh, with a wall uh, in the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls in 1QISA. Those who are right, Sadak, you know, again, you want to capitalize on what Yah was offering. You want to start with Sadak, be right. And mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal because it's an open book test. He gives you all the yeah. answers. Then those who are right will vanish. Their whereabouts unknown. Wa Sadak Abad. Then those who are right, the vindicated, righteous, just, those who are correct in accord with the standard and thus upright, will vanish. They'll disappear. Such that those who remain will not know where they have gone. And no one will give it any thought. Wa'ain yish shim aleb. Not one individual will take it to heart. Will examine what may have occurred. With no one pondering the portent. Loyal and devoted individuals. This is Ish Chesed, the most steadfast and relationship-oriented people, will be harvested, gathered together, and taken away, Asaf. They're going to be withdrawn as they are escorted away, removed from their places, and transported to a new location and state. State, we don't mean the state of Mississippi versus Alabama. State is a a different condition, going from material to energy, for example. Yes. Loyal and devoted individuals, those family-oriented, relationship-oriented individuals, will be harvested, gathered together, and taken away, withdrawn, and escorted away, while no one makes the connection to comprehend what has occurred. One of my favorite Hebrew words, bien. Ba'en bien, without anyone comparing this prophecy to what has transpired so that they understand, not a soul realizing what happened. I was sharing you know, at length that I'm, I'm personally excited to have recently completed this uh, chapter on Kippurim, analyzing Zachariah. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, and six, and then also uh, later 12 and 13. And every bit of it to understand requires us going to a previous prophecy, whether it's that magnificent prophecy that brought us all together in Second Samuel uh, 7, or whether it's the actual uh, um presentation dealing with Kaporaf and the, the mercy seat on Kaporam, uh, 
no matter if it's the prophecy uh, in Yeshaya 11 about uh, the uh, choder sucker, it all fits together if you make the connections. And that is what God's people are failing to do. And you can know a lot of stuff and understand nothing if you don't be in. And so God is saying the reason that the rabbis can't fathom, can't uh, process what has occurred on the fulfillment of Teruah is they're not making the connection. You can't, and you'll never understand if you don't know how to compare one prophecy to another and, uh, and see why things were stated in a certain way. For indeed, from the presence of this disastrous calamity and, and miserable suffering, wickedness and wrongdoing, those who are correct will be taken away. So, no, folks, this Have is a it's, yeah, it's just so powerful in terms of a of a the presentation of Teruah as we have come to understand it that it is a harvest a gleaning of those who have capitalized on the covenant's conditions those who have attended the Moed Mikre. Um that's this is the fulfillment of Teruah. It doesn't describe what our job is on Teruah, but it certainly explains what the world's reaction is going to be and who's going to go. What was your question? Well, my question was that uh, this sounds like uh, we're gone. Uh, those of us who uh, don't die prior to that will be gone. And uh, at what point do they pick up the books again and start reading? Well, the religious never. I know, what, but yeah, I'm talking about said, the people that we're no, 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 the, the ones we're, two, ones we're looking two, for are those. Uh, yeah, two thirds, two thirds are gone. Israel, yeah, yeah two thirds are gone. Yeah. So y'all keep and, all that in float. Yeah. So that well, they'll be able to. Yahweh has a uh, has a plan for that too. First of all, yeah. he uh, he has uh, he used every functionality of his spirit. Because suckers aren't mm-hmm. the uh, the brightest um, um, <laughs> growth <laughs> in the orchard, so he's already told you he's using the full capacity of the spirit. He he said, "Yeah, my spirit's got seven functions, and I'm using them all." Uh, so and and this sucker is going to write a uh, a nest that I can lift up <laughs> because I've I've got the uh, I've got the spirit working overtime. Okay, well, it's just true. You might as well, you might as well admit it. Uh, and it's cool. Yeah. I, you know, this, one of the things he said, these, 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 these uh, dastardly dogs are, are blind. And boy, look what they're missing. Wallowing in the rabbinical rubbish, uh, miserable lives, and yet we get to explore Yahweh's testimony. It's so cool. Anyway, the... the we do not know of the remaining one-third how many of them are going to um, listen to Yahweh. Uh, I expect yeah. that between – yeah, I do not know between now and then. I would expect that they, uh, based on the numbers that we've read elsewhere in Yahshua, particularly in the 17th and 18th chapters, that it seems like 
is seven thousand. Uh, mm-hmm. Would be a good number split between uh, Goyim and Yehudim that will be harvested on Teruah. I think that's a reasonable estimate. And then uh, following that, um, yeah, I, and I'm hoping, uh, really hoping, that uh, the Teruah harvest is in uh, 2029. Could be 2026. I think that's highly unlikely. Uh, 2027 no, so is uh, is a possibility, and we have. We have proponents of 2027 in our uh, in our covenant family. Maybe more for that than any other. Uh, there are uh, those who like 2028. I'm I'm hoping for 2029. I want to stay here as long as we possibly can because anything that we do that reaches out and uh, and awakens uh, somebody, somebody that that yeah. is forever. Uh, now, sure. This seems to suggest that my my hope. Now, you know, Yahweh's going to do it when Yahweh wants to do it. But the fact is, mm-hmm. when it says that they're going, indeed, they're going to be moved, removed from the presence of, and listen to this, it's, it's from Ra'ah, disastrous yes. calamity, miserable suffering, uh, wickedness and wrongdoing, having one's fellow countrymen, friends and associates, even neighbors and companions, become so destructive and harmful during this troubling time. That is when those who are correct, uh, Sadak is a direct, is the direct opposite of Ra'ah. So Ra'ah yes. is disastrous calamity, miserable suffering, uh, wickedness, wrongdoing, uh, fellow countrymen, friends, associates, neighbors, companions being destructive and harmful during this troubling time would be Ra'ah. Sadak is those who are correct. Those who are right, those who are vindicated, those who are righteous, upright, and innocent. And the religious love this concept of being righteous, and they apply it to themselves. Oh, they're, they're the most righteous of the righteous. Uh, it's amazing how many rabbis, when I was uh, just doing Prophet of Doom and Tea with Terrorists and explaining what Islam was all about, would call me the righteous Gentile. And they probably wouldn't say that now if they're reading these books. You turn on them, too. But anyway, that, the religious want again. to call themselves righteous, and that's a religious term. They're the least righteous people of all, because to be Sadak isn't to be righteous religious. It's to be right. Yeah. Now, being right doesn't make you good. Being right Agreed. doesn't make you... Uh, anything other than correct. And with Yahweh, being correct is enough. It's a big deal. Be correct. Know my name. Know my name. Know my covenant has conditions. Know what those conditions are. Accept those conditions. Know that I have invitations. Attend those invitations. Listen to me. Listen to me. I was writing a a chapter not uh, several days ago, and I was writing and said, yeah, I've been doing this now. I do it anywhere from from a minimum of eight hours some days, 14, 16 hours, and I do it uh, uh, six and seven days a week. Um, For those who say, well, you're not uh, celebrating the Shabbat if you're doing it seven days a week. But uh, no, I've really come to understand that Shabbat is a very active thing. Every time God talks about Shabbat, it's, uh, he always uh, writes it in a, from a perspective of activity, uh, that it is not a day for doing nothing. It's a day for doing something that really matters. 
uh, as opposed to your ordinary uh, work. So uh, one of the things I said is that, you know, I've, I've been doing this now for 20 years and, you know, say an, an average of 10 to 12 hours a day, six to seven days a week for 20 years. That's a long time. And, you know, in all that time, 99.999999% uh-huh. of the time, I'm uh-huh. listening and God is talking. Yeah. Our relationship works really well that way. I get it. It's not that I'm quiet I get it. because once I listen to him, I'm in a position to share with the family. Mm-hmm. So I get to talk, and, and I'm sure he's listening, but, but I'm not talking to him. It's like in all those Christian prayers, I remember how stupid I felt sitting in front of a group of people, and, you know, and I'm allegedly talking to God. You know, that's how the uh, group prayers are. God's not interested in listening to me. I mean, come on. Our relationship works, and I'm actually communicating a lot to Yahweh, even though I'm saying virtually nothing. Mm -hmm. What am I going to ask God for? You know, I live on an island with potholes. I don't want a Ferrari. You know, I have the most wonderful woman in the world as my wife. I'm not looking for a, a, a girl or a woman. Uh, what am I looking for? I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go out and play uh, uh, golf for a living. So, you know, having yeah. hand-eye coordination really isn't going to be uh, very helpful. <laughs> you got I, a dog. I wake up every day. I live in paradise. <laughs> what would I ask for? And, you know, am I going to ask him, would you please help me understand this uh, passage? Well, what do you think I'm doing all day? Don't you think that's the purpose of the Spirit and his words? I mean, what are you going to ask him for? Uh, so, no, we, I listen. He's a really effective communicator. And when we figure something out, like, uh, again, I'm, I'm not certain that, that I've written recently in these Comporum chapters is going to appeal to everyone because it's it, – you you got to you got to be focused because there's a lot of connections that we're uh, we're making uh, here but it was so exciting for me and you know they as we as I shared with Zachariah Zachariah interjected himself into a prophecy in Yahweh's presence they say hey you know you forgot about the head wrap uh, so the reason I bring that up is God wants us to interject ourselves into his revelation. What do you think the book of Debarim is? The entire well, book of Debarim is, yeah. is Moshe having listened to God, sharing what, uh, what he learned so that the people could understand it. So God wants us to interject ourselves into it. But the way that we do it when we're studying his word is we get all excited when we find a new insight, when we see a connection that maybe no one has found in thousands of years. And we get to celebrate that. And the way we get to celebrate it is share it. So there's a lot of give and take in communication, but it doesn't work with um, us praying. We just don't do it. There's no. And I think it's demeaning. Just Just think how demeaning that is. God who constantly says to us, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Yeah, constantly. Listen to me. They don't listen to me. You ought to listen to me. They don't listen to me. You ought to listen to me. What? Just think of, of what we're effectively telling God that we think of him, that rather than listening to him, 
we'd rather talk to him. That our feeble understanding and desires are somehow going to be more useful and beneficial, 99.9999% of which are wrong, than listening to God? I mean, he's going to say, what the hell's wrong with you? Why are you talking to me? You don't even know who I am. Why would I listen to you if you're not willing to listen to me? As a matter of fact, uh, in Zachariah, God says exactly that. When I talked to them, they did not listen to me. So then when they cried out, I did not listen to them. I didn't listen to them. So that's the, that's the way I think this should go. So what this is saying is that, that the Teruwa harvest is going to be in the midst of, a, uh, of Ra'ah. I therefore think we're going to be in the midst of Ra'ah. And to be in the midst of Ra'ah, I don't think this is happening in 2026. I'm hopeful it is not in 2027. My preference would be 2029. Now, if it happens in 2029, uh, there'll be six months of, uh, of what we call radio silence because uh, Elia and uh, his uh, pal uh, are returning on PSOC in 2030. Mm-hmm. So from PSOC of 2030, now you were saying, how are these other people going to know? Well, we're going to leave the legacy of our printed books. We're leaving the legacy of all these websites that were on. Our website is now beautifully presented. We have the websites, we have the the books, we have the audio programs that we're, uh, we're leaving. That's a huge reason we're doing this. And also all of the sites that are supportive sites to, uh, to Yahweh's message. But within a matter of six months of the time that we're gone... Mm-hmm. Uh, these two witnesses actually stand before Yahweh. And they're not just operating on their own recognizance, no. That at the time that they're speaking, there's this giant flying scroll that hovers overhead, the Torah. So the two witnesses are speaking before Yahweh with the Torah elevated above them. That's pretty powerful. Wow. So, you know, if uh, you're in Israel and the world has turned against you, and you've got these two guys, and one of them happens to be Elia crying out loud. You know, it's so funny because rabbis, always, any, anybody that is a <laughs> Orthodox Jew and they're celebrating uh, Pesach, they always set a place for Elia at Passover. Mm-hmm. Always at Passover. The only time they do it, they you set a place for Elia, and sure enough, it's Elia that's coming back on Passover. <laughs> so, that's in 2030. So this is saying, then, those who are right, that is the key, right, 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 will vanish, their whereabouts unknown, and no one will give it a second thought. Loyalty and, and devoted individuals will be harvested, gathered together, and taken away, while no one makes the connection to comprehend what has occurred. For indeed... From the presence of this disastrous calamity and miserable suffering, such wickedness and wrongdoing, ra'ah, those who are correct will be taken away. Let's just say that that the political and the religious Mm -hmm. can't figure it out, because that's what God said. They're not going to. But by this time, 
the we know that there is going to be a major returning to Yahweh. And so of that one-third of the remnant of Yisrael, um, I'm hopeful that the, the numbers are significant, that there will be many who turn to Yahweh. And, and I've got you know, understand, God is not into the numbers. Whether it is another 7,000 or 7 million, it's, this is not an issue with Yahweh. Yahweh wants to have a wonderful eternity with his family, and a family of 7,000 is just fine with him. If it's a family of 7 million, that's just fine too. It is what it is. And there's also years to produce babies. Yeah, you know, and there's also the possibility that uh, it, you know, this this last bunch uh, go into um, the the thousand year celebration of Sukkah. And so there's a lot that's transpiring. There's a lot we don't uh, know at that point. And so it's there's going to be different being one of those that is harvested on Teruah and one who is uh, who is not. So that's Yeshaya 57.1. It may be one of the most profoundly important passages because of what it reveals of, of, about what's going to happen on this day. So Yahweh, uh, fortunately, is a gentleman. The covenant is his family, and he's not going to expose his children to the worst man has to offer. That is why we're being removed. I don't want to be around here when nine out of every ten people um, are annihilated. And it's not God doing the oh no, there is a time where no, God is doing the annihilation. Up to this point, it's not God doing the annihilation as man killing yeah, his fellow. People killing people. Yeah. 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 When he when he returns, <clears throat> let it be known. Zachariah is the, uh, says it uh, explicitly. All of the humans who have come to war against uh, Israel, against uh, Jerusalem, are instantly dissolved. Everything just dissolves. So God is going to put an end to a militant world. But up to this point, those who have died have killed themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeshua, Isaiah 57.1, is predicting the Teruah harvest. It's revealing that only those who are correct will disappear. They will be withdrawn, so they will not have to endure the impending calamity known as the time of Jacob's troubles. Not only will these Sadak, right-minded individuals, vanish, their whereabouts will remain unknown to those who are left behind. And that is bewildering. Just absolutely flabbergasting because the answers are so clearly delineated in this prophecy. Once those who are correct about God and thus vindicated are gone, no one's going to get them a second thought. The prophetic portent of this event is among the most important in human history. With covenant members being escorted into heaven. <laughs> yes. No one's going to be the wiser for it. Those of us being a soft, 
harvested and taken away on Teruah will be withdrawn from a troubled world, going to be transported to a better place. And we will be transformed to a superior state of being. Even though we're going to leave this written legacy, one of the reasons that so few notice is that our chesed, our loyalty and devotion, is to the one they do not know. We are focused on our relationship with Yahweh at a time when they are consumed by their religion and politics. We will not be among those the rabbis value, but instead discount and disparage. Our values will be in conflict with theirs. Since Yahweh is clear, let's be resolute. This is an asaf. That means it's a harvest. Mm -hmm. And it is, therefore, the fulfillment of teruah. Katsir is the harvest term used for Shabuah, a soft for Teruah. It will occur no sooner than the first day of the seventh month in year 5993 Yah, which is September 11th, 2026. September 1st or October 1st, 2027 are possibilities. And the reason for both is that the seventh month is not totally evenly split, but is close enough to a split that, you know, there's a possibility that either one of those two is a possibility. September 1st or uh, October 1st, 2027, they, uh, either one could be true. I have um, what I think is the most logical of, uh, of those and looking at the moon cycles. But, uh, you know, it's, it's for each individual to study it and come up with their own conclusion. So there are possibilities mm-hmm. as uh, Teruah, uh, but so is September 19th, 2028. The last possible date that this will transpire is September 8th, 2029. <laughs> Excuse me. During the first day of the seventh month in year 5996. Yeah. If so, the world will remain clueless as to where we have been taken until Elia and his fellow witness arrive on Pesach the following spring in 2030 in the midst of the storm. I will tell you that, that while mm-hmm. uh, I think Elia could enjoy himself in the middle of a swamp, um, the fact is this is not a... Uh, uh, this, this just is not a uh, um, uh, this is not a job you want. Mm. And Elia will take this job because it, it is what he lives for. I mean, uh, but quite honestly, while Elia was spectacular in terms of his sarcasm and taking on the uh, the prophets of Baal, the Lord, and uh, Asherah, Astarte, uh, the Queen of mm-hmm. Heaven, Mother of God. Um, and he took on the the Queen, Jezebel, uh, and uh, her husband, uh, 
and and uh, and Yahuda and mock them to their face. But when you actually read the the whole scene around it, he's just so disgusted by them. He's just, what in the hell are you doing with me? You just get out of here. And he's doing this job, and he's doing it exceedingly well. But you know, understand if you. If you've got a relationship with Yahweh, as we do, if you mm-hmm. are a student of his testimony, as we are, if you love him as, uh, as anyone who is part of his family does, being set out where you want to, be. Yeah. to be confronted yeah. 24-7 by these religious and political buffoons, this is not duty that, that a member of Yahweh's family would naturally sign up for. If your choice is you can be in Shamaim going out and exploring the universe and having fun with Yah, or you're the only two sane voices speaking for Yah to a world filled with religious and political and conspiratorial nincompoops that you know, are like the big marches in Poland, every poll knows that the Jews are responsible for COVID. Is that what's going on? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In Poland? Oh, oh God. In Poland, really? yeah, in Poland, yeah. Oh, sorry. So sorry. This, this, is, this is not a um, um, something you want to put on your resume. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, was, uh, I put myself in the middle of idiots for three years. Uh, and because you can't debate them. You just can't. Um, and Yahweh's word isn't, uh, isn't acceptable. I was translating a passage. Uh, um, I think it was from Zachary. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure it was Zachary uh, about uh, two or three days ago. And when Yahweh was saying this is what our responsibility is and, and we should uh, be very excited to be able to share the word, he says, only share it with those who are reasonable. So... Uh, when it comes to sharing the word with these religious and political nincompoops, that's going to be a uh, tough duty. Now, the, as I said, the last possible day that this could happen is um, on the uh, first day of the seventh month uh, and 5996, which is September 8th, 2029. So that's what we're, uh, we're hoping that we're around to then. Um, if we are, so much the better. Uh, we have learned a couple of things about those who be withdrawn. They are Sadak, correct, and they are Chesed, loyal. So since this is an open book test where the answers are all provided, being right is relatively easy. And considering God's generosity, loyalty is only natural. Why would you not want to be loyal to Yah? I I don't get it, but yes. So what's the world's excuse? Now, Bien, one of the great Hebrew words, it's it's just, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Bien, look at the three letters. Be'eth, Yod, Nun. Yod and Nun. So mm-hmm. they, uh, you've got the doorway to uh, it's just the whole home, but it's one. The bath mm-hmm. is means family and home uh, with with sure. a single uh, entrance into that family and home. So the family and home comes by way yeah. of Yahweh's uh, hand, uh, which mm-hmm. is the yod. 
to uh, to, to those Lift who are rooted in in okay. His uh, Word and who are growing as children. So we are Ooh. children who Ooh. grasp Yahweh's hand to be part of His family. Bien. Yeah. A pretty cool, pretty Picture. cool word. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard to um, hard to beat that one. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite words. I um, view it in connection with, uh, which I've shared before, dot-to-dot puzzles. I adored them as a kid. I really did. I mean, you always knew what it was going to be, but it didn't. I was still amazed when it all came together. Uh, by connecting the dots uh, in the correct order, a picture emerged out of a sea of random points. Bien is the Hebrew word for understanding. It reveals that to go beyond knowing to comprehension we must make proper associations, coming to appreciate how one thing leads to another and how they are all related. In this case, to properly assess who was harvested, by whom, and why, one would have to make the connections from this prophecy to the fulfillment. And since God said it's only those who are correct that are being harvested, if you're not a nincompoop, and you're going to say, okay, only the people that were correct are harvested. What did those people have to say? Because it must have been right. Well, we've left quite the oh, legacy. Both of these audio programs and more importantly, the books. Now the books. And, yeah, and understand the books are a big deal. Yahweh loves to communicate in writing. He wants us to communicate in writing. You leave a not only a, a more enduring legacy, one less susceptible to being uh, misappropriated. But the advantage of writing is you can be so much more involved when you read something. You can read it more swiftly or more slowly. You can learn at your own pace. You can search engines. You can verify anything. Put a word into the search engine and say, does it really mean that? And then you can do your own uh, concordance uh, search. So Yahweh loves the written word, and that is why the books are more important than the uh, the shows. Oh, yeah, what a working letter, too. Yes. Yeah, the, uh, the triggering event is going to be Ra'ah. It's a time when one's fellow countrymen, friends and associates, neighbors and companions, especially the shepherds, Ra'ah is also the word for shepherd, and thus pastors and rabbis, are universally and hideously wrong. Ra'ah, they are deceived and are being contrasted with and separated from the Sadak rite. A a time of calamity is on a horizon. Far worse than the COVID-19 lockdowns of 2020. By 2029, the world will be at war with itself and with nature. There will be suffering beyond our comprehension. Billions will die. And from that, those who are correct out of that those who are right will be withdrawn and taken away. Unfortunately, we will be so few in number that the religious leaders will brush our disappearance aside 
as if it did not occur. And that's fine. We don't want them. Not Yahweh doesn't want them in Shamaim. But the one-third of Israelites who are neither religious nor political, who are still interested in knowing the truth, it's right here and it's profound. It's exciting. It makes sense. It's easily verified. And it's liberating. It's empowering. It's enriching. Nothing negative. You give up nothing and you gain everything. Even though well, I used to say you give up nothing. The things you give up are counterproductive. And the mm-hmm. things you gain are empowering and enriching and enlightening beyond your comprehension. Internal. Yes. Now, this uh, statement provides yet another clue as to when the true harvest uh, will transpire, for it states, for indeed, away from and out of the presence of disastrous calamity, ra'ah, those who are correct will be uh, taken away. The children of the covenant will be taken to heaven prior to the worst of Jacob's troubles. This timing is also reinforced by Yeshaya 17. There we're told that this gleaning would occur after the fall of Damascus when Yisrael is thinned at the waste. What is that senile president of the United States, what is he saying? Oh, yeah, we want freeze all the settlements because, good God, building a house, that's way too confrontational. We can't have Yisrael building houses to counteract Islamic terrorists. No, no, no. Don't do that. And what we want is a two-state solution, which is to say we want the final solution. Because after that two-state solution is imposed, we will find exactly the same thing as happened with Neville Chamberlain and the, the state solution with, uh, with Czechoslovakia that led directly and immediately to world war. So we're told that after the fall of Damascus, Israel will be thinned at the waist. And that is, of course, indicative of imposing that two-state solution, making Israel indefensible. Therefore, before our departure becomes imminent, we will know which of these four days, in 2026 through 2029, this harvest will occur. And in the interim, rather than saying, gosh, I I really want to know if it's going to be 2026 or 2029, why why spend the energy or the time just to ruin up a storm? You know, Mm -hmm. the timing is this, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to expose and condemn religion and politics to let people know that are patriotic and conspiratorial that they're wrong and to let people know that there's a better choice, that they can be correct about God. That is the purpose of Teruah. We were enriched and enlightened and inspired and uh, empowered during Shabuah so we could do this job. Yeah. And we have so Jackie. Not, right. We have Jackie. And we have David as well. Oh, those, oh and, yes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Just want to take it yeah. off. Yeah, and, and so many others. Yeah. Molly and J.K. And, of course. Of and course, uh, of course. Mike and, yes, and uh, 
and the Kirkster, Captain Kirk. No, I don't have that much. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we like a couple of weeks ago. Around. It uh, it said that um, that there would be a a group of people while well, working Thanks. together with the uh, the knacker that would uh, come. Thanks, yeah, that, yeah, that would uh, all uh, be working with Yah. So speaking of the loyal and correct who will be harvested in Yahweh's vernacular, we discover that they will go to a better place. This is what it says. This is Yeshaya 57.2. This is such great stuff. I mean, this is, I mm. mean, God has told us exactly what's going to happen. And then he will arrive, entering into and included among the reconciled, the tranquil, the prosperous, the safe and saved. Shalom and protective custody. <laughs> I love that. Protective custody. Mm-hmm. Totally satisfied. Absolutely content. Renewed, healthy, peaceful, harmonious, secure, restored, enjoying the most favorable of all circumstances with friends and companions. For us uh, uh, that are so intricately involved in the written and and audible presentation of Yahweh's word through Yada Yahweh and uh, Yada Yah Radio and the websites and the books and the uh, and the like. Um, I am convinced that at this moment we're retired, and uh, it's a job that we have done. I think Yahweh's thrilled about it. He's told us that we covered that in our last program. He's very happy with what we have done. There'll be a grand celebration over it. But we're relieved of duty. Um, Dodes in charge. Uh, Israelites, uh, particularly Yehudim, will be put uh, in positions of authority. I don't think we have any responsibilities then going forward. Yahweh is going to integrate his Torah inside of everyone. They're all going to know Yahweh. And so... (laughs) I'm hoping that that um, after there is a brief celebration, just because that's Yahweh's nature and he he likes seeing his family celebrate. So after we have a celebration where we get to witness all of those that have come to know Yah because of what we have done on Yah's behalf, um, you know, from that point on, I, I think that we're going to be quasi-retired. Now, quasi-retired because... I was wrong about something. Uh, I've been wrong about a lot of things. But you know, I've said on this program that Yahweh doesn't need people to be building his, um, his home on Mount Moria, uh, that the millennial um, residence, that's called a royal residence uh, and temple, uh, that that mm-hmm. is being built by Yahweh. That's not entirely correct. And I should have figured it out. Because what does Yahweh do on his own? There's everything together with someone. Almost nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he don't like work alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why is Yahweh bringing Dode back? Because he loves him. He likes working through him. Why did Yahweh decide he was going to go into Egypt and reveal his Torah with an 80-year-old dude? Because he likes working through people. And so the royal residence? Why would that change? Yeah. All of those who are reconciled unto Yahweh uh, at this time we're going to work together we're going to build it together we're going to have sweat equity 
and uh, and the royal residence of Yahweh. That's pretty cool. Can I paint a mural? So, yeah, so you can paint a mural. Yep, you know I'm a I've always been a frustrated architect, and uh, you know I've I've yeah, got crews go here uh, restoring uh, this, so you know I might uh, might even ask, hey, can I, can I draw a, a build a wing over here that uh, has a uh, you know a, a long view and uh, yeah, I'd like to put some Carrera marble on the uh, the wall here. What do you think? I don't know. But anyway, we're going to get to build. Uh, the royal, uh, yeah, the royal residence. And it's a word that is more royal residence than it is temple. Uh, and that's really what I think it is. It's uh, we're building our home together because we get to live with the Yahweh. And then he will arrive entering into and included among the reconciled, the tranquil, the prosperous, the saved, the shalom. And they will be spiritually allied, Nuak, within his restful environs, his mishkab, his lodging and furnishings designed for comfort and rest, walking in a manner which is right, honest, fitting, and proper, halak, nakoak, with her. So it's okay. So we get to build together. It's not going to be like it's really stressful or that we're going to be up on our feet, you know, from five in the morning to uh, five uh, every uh, every day. No, there's going to be a lot of this that's just restful and uh, and comfortable and a time for reflection and thoughtful mediation. Um, that uh, mishkab is from my to ponder the implications of shakab a restful place and situation, and possibly Mishkan, a dwelling place, a home, and a tabernacle. So that is where we're going. We're going to arrive, reconciled, tranquil, prosperous, safe, and saved. Shalom. And so long as we're shalom with Yahweh, uh, the rest of it's going to take care of itself quite nicely. And we get there by walking in a manner which is right, honest, fitting, and proper. So now that we know who will be taken, from whom, and when, even where, all of that has been answered for us. God has told us who will be taken on Teruah, those who are right. From whom? From the Ra'ah the religious and political and conspiratorial, those who are wrong. And when? It's going to be in the years between 2026 and 2029, hopefully 2029, on Teruah, even where we're going to Shamaim. This is heaven. Those enjoying God's hospitality have observed the Torah, attended the Mikre, and accepted the Bereth. And as a result, we are among the shalom, reconciled and prosperous, safe and saved. We're going to enter the shalom custody of our Heavenly Father and Spiritual Mother, finding total satisfaction, contentment, restored and renewed health, peace and harmony, security, restoration, and the most favorable of all circumstances, 
Kirk, your and my eyes might even work without uh, needing corrective lenses. <laughs> I like that. And I know, I'm hoping that we uh, we can still go out and um, and smack the uh, the pellet around uh, on a beautiful plate and uh, and enjoy uh, nature. There's a passage we we covered in our last program, which which suggested that there'll be wildlife and animals. Hopefully, we'll be able mm-hmm. to communicate with them. Um, but uh, we're going to uh, be in a, in a marvelous environment. I, 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 I'm you know, excited, but the most important thing is we're reconciled. We're shalom. We're at peace yes. with our maker. It's a lovely place for wow. us to be in. And, and with the concluding word of shalom, it's a pretty good place to end the, uh, the program for right. tonight. And yeah. we'll pick That's it up so. at this point next week. So pretty right. cool. They went in, they, 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 I, I translated this so given, 10 years ago. So to come back and to find that it is so detailed in the the who, the what, the where, the why, the when, the how of, uh, of a Teruwa harvest, God has really left it all out there for us to understand. And, and you know, here we are talking about Teruwa, and he's got all this detail for us. Uh, just imagine what he has to say on Kapuram, which is the single most uh, extraordinary day in Yahweh's eternal existence. Oh, there is so much to say. So we'll be with you uh, next week at this time. Um, happy Shabbat to one and all. We'll uh, be adding the, the new books to the bookshelf. Thank you for getting them up, David and, and Jackie. Um, hopefully, too, we'll be able to soon have another printed edition on our shelf and and move into now 20 volumes uh, since uh, we began this uh, rewrite. So, you know, I would say that within a within the year's time, we will have we will have finished the rewrite and be on to uh, new material. And it'd be exciting to see where we uh, we go. I'm my, my preference is to uh, is to continue with some of the Mismore. But there's so much more to learn in Yermaya and uh, and All also and and Yashaya and yeah, there's mm-hmm. so much, and we really haven't covered much of of uh, Ezekiel to uh, to study the Magog War, and that I'm sure is also interesting to people. I'm, I'm and I'm uh, I, I lean towards the you know the the books. Of uh, of Yashaya and Yermiya because they are just so detailed into the pluses and minuses of uh, all that's going to happen. So um, emphatic about why God hates the religious and political and conspiratorial, and so passionate about uh, his family and his love for his children. Yeah, got a lot to say about that next week. Yeah, but yeah. we have to. Yes, that's where we're going uh, next week. So we look forward to being with you. Um, Shabbat Shalom. To, thank uh, you, Yada. We appreciate you. You're welcome. Uh, thank you, Kirk. Good night, everyone and all. Okay, Bye. Good night.